I'm going to start off by sharing my story with you guys um, with anxiety. And this has just kind of been my experience. Um, I grew up in a really supportive Christian family. And I had a great, my mom and dad are both believers, my brother and my sister. And basically, I heard about Jesus all the time growing up. It was discussed a lot. So when I was just four years old, I prayed the prayer, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, But I was four, and I didn't really know totally what that meant yet. (laughs) It took until I was in about fourth grade when I went on a mission trip to Guatemala, where I decided, like, yes, this God is awesome, and I love him, and I want to follow him. So that's kind of when that started. After that, in about fifth and sixth grade, I started doing devotions, trying to have quiet times, trying to know the God that I had fallen in love with in Guatemala even more. Um, But just to give you a background on the school that I was attending at this time, I actually went to Perimeter here in this building. (laughs) I think a couple people did too. (laughs) And so for those of you who didn't go to Perimeter and don't know the environment it's like, it's like this perfect little bubble of like wonderfulness. And everyone loves everyone, the teachers, are so supportive, they'll do anything for you, and your friends' parents become like your own parents, basically. You know everyone's first and last names, you know their parents' first names, you know their siblings' names, their grades. Everyone knows everything about everyone all the time. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes it has its downsides. Um, In seventh grade, I read this book that kind of started me thinking about death more, and you're like, that's weird, right? You're in like seventh grade, what is that, like 13 years old? 14? I don't know. Um, and you're like thinking about death already. Uh, I was really worried that I was going to like die young or something like insane was going to happen to me. And this kind of like started to consume me. I worried a lot about death and I thought a lot about death and it, it was a topic that worried me a lot. Well, my mom knew this about me and I remember her coming in my room one night and sitting down on my bed and looking at me and saying, Carly, there are just some pieces of knowledge that God chooses to withhold from us because he knows that we can't handle them. And that kind of, that makes a lot of sense to me, because if God is all-powerful and he knows what we need, then, like, who, you know, like, he's capable of that. He knows that. Um, But, so this kind of helped my anxiety at the time. I kind of calmed it down. But going into eighth grade, I started to struggle even more with anxiety again. Uh, Like I said, I play soccer. So before every single club soccer game in that fall, I threw up. I would wake up and I would just throw up because I was so nervous that somehow I was going to have a bad game or I wasn't going to be perfect that game or something was going to go wrong. And this consumed me. Uh, It was at one of my away tournaments and I was in the hotel room. I had just thrown up. We were about to go to the fields. And once again, my mom, (laughs) she knows me too well, she looked at me and she was like, Carly, did you ever think about maybe getting some help talking to someone. And immediately it clicked in my brain that she was talking about going to a counselor. And I, and I was like, no, mom, I'm, I'm not messed up. Those are for messed up, screwed up people. I'm not one. I can handle this on my own. And I was kind of angry at her that she, like, how dare she suggest that I needed that? Uh, I was just so used to keeping up a perfect image at school and being good at school that I didn't want to be associated with anything that was messed up. Uh, But it took for a while longer. I went back to school, and it was going fine. It was just throwing up on the weekends for soccer. But then it came into school. And every single day before school, I would throw up. Or either I would go to school and I would throw up because I was so scared that I would not be perfect at school that day. 
that I would do something wrong, um, that I wouldn't be good enough. I became obsessed with this perfect image, and the fact that I was throwing up more and getting more sick was taking me further away from this image, and it was only making the problem worse. So eventually, I did agree with my mom, and I did go to counseling. And that was probably one of the most valuable things that I did. When I went to counseling, not only did she put me on some anxiety medicine that helped, but I think the most valuable thing she did for me was give me a set of truth tools. And at first when she said truth tools, I was kind of like, what, what is that? Like, I think of like hammers and nails and stuff, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what that is. But um, truth tools were little pieces of truth that I could hang on to when I was feeling the most anxious or the most like I just could not handle it. And it could be something from like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or it could be something as like dumb and like stupid as like, I am not really sick, I'm just anxious. And it was, it was just little stuff like that that would help. But I think the most important one that she gave me, the one that really stuck with me the most, was God has no rival. And so you guys, are, you guys probably realize that's probably important to me. It's the title of my seminar. So if you only come and like watch the hot rod clip and whatever, just pay attention to this part too, because it's kind of important. Um, so the way she explained to me is God has no rival. Is have you guys ever seen those old like cartoon shows where there's like a little kid and he's trying to make a decision like should he take this cookie out of the cookie jar? And he has like the devil on one shoulder who's like, yeah, like eat the cookie, it's gonna be so good. Like, it's going to taste so good. You know you want to. And then he has the angel on the other shoulder who's like, no, little Timmy, your mom's going to be so mad. And he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And he probably eats the cookie because who here wouldn't, right? And, um, <laughs> but she was explaining this to me, and I was with her, and I was like, yes, yes, I understand. And then all of a sudden, she was like, Carly, it's not like that, though. And I was like, what? I thought we were in this endless struggle between, you know, like good and evil. And she was like, but no one sits on equal with God. No one is, uh, is good enough to be equal with him on both shoulders right here. And, and in fact, he has no rival because no one is good enough to be in range of competition with him. Uh, so that helped me realize that whatever sin or whatever, I mean, whatever hold that Satan had on my life at that point was ultimately weak. And God was ultimately strong. And God was ultimately had control over, and he had power. And so that's one of the things that kind of started to heal my thinking and help me. But I continued to struggle with this anxiety to the point where I just got pulled out of school until Christmas break. So it was Christmas break of my eighth grade year, and we went on a family ski trip to Utah. And the whole time, I'm just worried because I know that I have to go back to school in January, and I'm absolutely dreading it. So we're on this ski trip in Utah. It's like my whole family. I mean, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, everybody in this little house. And this is probably when I started feeling the most hopeless and the most just so aware that I had this anxiety to the point where I couldn't go to school. So how was I supposed to function in, like, everyday life? I didn't know how I was going to be able to do anything else if it was to the point where I couldn't even go to school. So... This is when I started feeling helpless, and I was kind of like, I don't even, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I just, I kind of didn't even want to live anymore, guys. I was kind of just so drained of fighting with this and so drained of continually failing. And I was kind of texting my friends some stuff, and they realized what was going on and how I was kind of just didn't even want to be alive anymore. And they, uh, they freaked out, rightfully so. 
And they told my mom and they told my counselor. And my, I remember we went to a movie with my little cousins and I remember my mom just like looking over at me with tears in her eyes and saying, I can't believe this is your little cousin's first movie and you want it to be your last. And that just broke my heart. And then I remember my sister coming up to me and just being like, how could you be so selfish? And both of those things just kind of broke my heart. And that's when I just started to feel really guilty and really just like I caused so many problems and like I'm such a burden here. Uh, January was really hard with anxiety. I still wasn't going back to school. And then towards the end of January, about halfway through, my, I was at my counselor and she was like, Carly, either you, you go back to school or I will send you to the kids' mental hospital up the road. And that's when I was really like so aware, like this is not normal. I am, I am beyond broken and I am beyond messed up. And that's also what gave me the incentive to be like, I'm going back to school. So I finally went back in January on a half day. And I expected to be greeted back with these, you know how I said I went to a little school. Everyone obviously knew something was up. I expected to be greeted back with these stares of like, oh, the screwed up girl is back. <laughs> What's she doing? But I was just greeted back with love. And it was awesome. And that was really helpful. The rest of eighth grade wasn't easy after I went back. I still, I was running track and I remember throwing up before every single track meet I ran. <laughs> and then I was realizing that if Satan won that little battle and I threw up, that I had to win the war and I just had to go and I had to run. So that's kind of what, what helped, kept happening in my life. And it kind of applied to the first day of high school too. Like I already have the first day like jitters because that's a big deal. And then add to that anxiety. I was, um, I was kind of freaking out before the first day. I remember that. So I remember being sick the first morning and then just going. And it just got easier and easier. And eventually, in ninth grade, I was able to come off my anxiety medicine and stop seeing my counselor. So that's kind of where my story with anxiety ends. But I wanted to share with you guys a couple contrasts that I noticed in my life as a result of this anxiety. My first contrast in my life was going from independent to dependent. And I absolutely love this verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. Psalm 27 through 8. Um, at that time, I think my chariots and my horses were probably the fact that I was good at sports, the fact that I was smart, school was easy for me, the fact that I had awesome friends who loved me and an awesome family. And none of those are bad things, but if you put your trust in them, then they're going to fail you still. And so I think anxiety, it really ripped every single one of those away from me. School, I wasn't even going anymore. My grades obviously suffered. I couldn't depend on that. Sports, I was getting sick before every single time I played or ran or did anything. Friends and family, I had tension with them that I hadn't had before. And I felt constantly guilty around them for not being there or not being, being a burden. And... I think that was God just kind of taking away all of the unnecessary stuff and just being like, you just need me. And it was really humbling to have to go to school every single day, just, de like just depending on him just to be at school. I felt like normal kids woke up, brushed their teeth, and like left. And I felt like I was there, and I had to like wake up every day and just be like, here, Daddy, just, just take me through school today. 
And that was so humbling, but it was really necessary for me. But I still struggle with this, guys. I'm not done <laughs> with this one. I was in Thailand a couple weeks ago, and we had to have conversations with the Thai college students every single day. And obviously, the language barrier was terrible, and it was hard. And so a lot of times, I felt stupid, because I would be like, my name is, and like acting things out, like whatever I could do, like trying to explain myself. And it was hard. And about after a couple days in, I was like, wow, I'm exhausted. And I was like, I love talking. Talking does not tire me. Why am I so tired? And why are these conversations so hard? Why do I feel like I'm getting nowhere? And the whole time, Jesus is right there like, hey, Carly, um, I can help you with that. <laughs> so it took me realizing that and then just being like, Jesus, like, take these conversations because I am no longer even capable of talking to these people. Uh, and after I did that, I just saw a major change. I saw me having more energy and more joy. And not only that, the conversations went a lot better. So I would just encourage you guys with whatever you have going on, like give it to Jesus. He can handle it. And not only does he like, not only can he handle it, but he wants to help us. He is our savior. We are called to depend on him. And he's there and he wants to help. My second transformation, which is a huge one for me, is um, pursuing perfection to embracing brokenness. Uh, in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4, it says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Guys, God's not done. He's still working in all of our lives right now. And we stumble constantly, and we constantly are messing up, and he's just taking us like the clay and just remolding us again and again and again. Uh, if I had been perfect, there would have been no need for the cross. And that's something that I had to realize, because obviously we all know the story. Jesus was sent for sinners. He died on the cross for sinners. And last time I checked, that's all of us in this room. Uh, he does not expect us to be perfect, nor is he surprised by our imperfection. He's not sitting in heaven every day and being like, oh, Carly didn't trust in me again. I, I can't believe it. I'm so surprised. No, he knows. <laughs> he knows. And like I said, this one is like a huge thing for me, guys. And I, this is something I still struggle with. So I'm going to tell you guys a quick story, and you can laugh because, like, okay, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I'm really dumb sometimes. Uh, I work at a camp, Camp All-American, and I'm a lifeguard. And every single Tuesday, I get really excited because I know the blow-up water slides are coming. And so all day, I'm like on stand, or I'm like on my break in the office, and I'm like, yes, inflatable water slides. So this, this was the Tuesday before I left for Thailand. And we were on our break, so all of us were going down the water slides. And I was like, hey, like, you know, if you guys didn't notice, I'm not like a giant. I'm, I'm pretty small. So I was like, maybe I should just tuck myself into a little ball and roll down the water slide and see what happens. <laughs> I, it seemed like a good idea at the time. So I like get in this little ball and I just like go off the highest one and I roll down and okay, it was awesome. It was great. But then I stand up and I was like, huh, my neck will not turn to the left. <laughs> that can't be good. Uh, so I do whatever any good thinking teenager does, and I keep going down. <laughs> so I keep going down this water slide, and then it's time for me to go back on stand, guard some lives. So uh, 
I'm like, well, the kids on my right are great. I will save any of them. The kids on my left, you're going to have to go over, swim to the right, and drown there. <laughs> because I can't save you. I can't turn my head. And my boss is kind of like, no, Carly, you should probably go to the nurse. So I went down to the nurse, and immediately she starts freaking out, and she was like, we need an ambulance, we need to take you to the emergency room, we need to put you in a C-collar, like, we need to do some neurological tests. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And so then at this point, I started freaking out. It wasn't as funny anymore. And um, I was kind of like, well, I leave for Thailand in uh, four days, and I might have a broken neck. So that's where we're at. And I'm sitting in the nurse's office, and counselors are wandering in, and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Because I have like ice all over my neck, and I like can't turn, and it looks awkward. And, <laughs> and I keep being like, I'm like, yeah, I'm so dumb. I just went down the slide wrong, and I'm hurt, and I'm dumb. And I'm trying to like be light about it, be funny. But on the inside, guys, I was freaking out. I was like, if I have a major neck injury, and I can't get on the plane, and I wanted to go on this mission trip for a year, and what if something's seriously wrong? And I was just freaking out, and I wouldn't admit it to anyone. So it took my mom coming in, of course, and seeing me, and then bending down to eye level, because I can't look up, and, <laughs> and looking at me in the eyes and being like, Carly, it's okay to be scared. And immediately I just started crying, tears running down my face, and I was like, I am scared. And I tell this story, yeah, because it's funny, and it's like, who does that? But it's also a serious problem for me. Like, what about brokenness makes us all so uncomfortable, guys? And it, it really is, but I think brokenness is one of the coolest points to be at because that's when God's light shines through, and it's not from yourself. You know it's just Jesus shining through. The last contrast I want to share with you guys is going from guilty to free. Like I said, I began to take on a lot of blame and feel a lot of guilt uh, during this period because I felt like a burden. I felt like I was just this extra responsibility, this extra just worry for everyone. And a lot of times when I took on this guilt and I took responsibility, I felt like I was being selfless. I felt like it was like the good thing to do that I should be taking this responsibility and oh, that's grown up, that's mature, that's selfless. But no, guys, guilt is a sin. Uh, I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. I think that if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it is almost like setting up ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. If God has come to you and said, go in peace, your sins are forgiven, I've separated them as far as the east is from the west, then we're acting as higher than God if we say, no, I think I'm just going to hold on to this one. Or I think I'm going to pick these two. Uh, I can't forgive myself yet. No. <laughs> if God, the king of the universe, who, like Gray talked about in creation, who made the stars, who made all of this stuff, told you that you're forgiven, then who are any of us to tell him that we're not? Uh, Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We're all forgiven, guys. And I think... It's really when you can start to forgive yourself and have that attitude toward yourself, guys, that pleases Jesus. And that shows that you love him and you trust him and you know that he has taken your sin. Lastly, I was asked to leave you guys with like kind of a how to deal with anxiety thing. And when I was asked to do that, I was kind of like, uh, shoot. <laughs> because I don't 
I didn't really have anything, any great words of wisdom, anything to say other than like, Jesus. <laughs> so it was hard for me to think of a couple things, but I just thought of three that I want to leave you guys with. And I want to say first that these don't only apply to anxiety. I feel like they can apply to a lot of other stuff. So I don't know what it could be you're struggling with, but um, I would just encourage you guys to think about this stuff. First off, I want you guys to understand God has no rival. Just to understand his power. So if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's alcohol, if it's a fight with your friends or family, he's powerful and he can take care of it and he can handle it. Secondly, I want you guys to understand eternity. A lot of times my counselor would be like, Carly, this is one, just one blip on the radar screen of life. Uh, I think this is really valuable because a lot of times I know things can get blown out of proportion when you're right here and you're looking straight ahead and something looks huge. But think about how long a lifetime is. And then think about how long eternity is. Uh, I love this verse. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And that's 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. I think this basically is just saying that anything that we see right now often are the things that matter. Sometimes in the moments when I was feeling anxious, I would have to step aside and really ask myself, is worrying about school today going to matter to me in eternity? Is worrying about this soccer game today and being so anxious going to matter to me in eternity? And every single time, the answer is no. So I don't know what it is, and I know your struggles are big, and I know they're hard, but sometimes stepping back and thinking, is this fight... Is this fight with my friend going to matter to me in eternity? No, you're going to be with Jesus. <laughs> and I think that that helps a lot, just putting things in perspective. The last thing I want to leave you guys with uh, that helped me a lot was serving others. When I would be at home from school all day, and you're like thinking, oh, that's pretty awesome. Like, you don't have to go to school. No, it was awful. Um, my mom oftentimes would have me serve others. So I would go and serve this lady in my neighborhood who had MS, so she was in a wheelchair, and she could also barely move her arms. And I would do, like, the smallest things for her, like maybe clean something or organize something, anything I could do. And every time after I left, I would feel better than when I went there, and I would feel blessed. I felt like she was blessing me. So I think serving others is really valuable because if you're so inwardly focused on what's going on all the time, it's easy for things to become bigger, and it's easy to be more scared or to be more worried. Uh, a lot of times also, too, praying for others. That's a huge thing, too. It's really good to pray for yourself and to pray for whatever you're struggling with, but sometimes it's really valuable to think about what your friends are struggling with or your family struggling with and pray for them about that. So that's pretty much all I have for you guys. Thanks, guys.